Amen. If you have your Bible in front of you, or if you have your Bible with you, or you have it on your phone, either one, I want to encourage you to open up this morning to uh, Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. We've been walking through the book of Acts together, and we're going to continue to do that today. As we were introduced last week to a couple of new characters, we were introduced to Simon the Magician, and we talked about his conversion and our lack thereof, and we also were introduced to Philip. Now, when we think about uh, missionaries in the New Testament church, when we think about Acts and we think about missionaries in the New Testament church, immediately we think about Paul. As a matter of fact, we would even say that Paul is the greatest missionary of all times. There would be no other man that we would put up against Paul because Paul literally sent the message of the gospel to all of the known world in the early times of the New Testament church. But there's another missionary in the gospel of Acts or in the book of Acts. And that missionary is Philip. Last week, we saw Philip as he was ministering to Simon the Magician and all of those inside of Samaria. And today, we're going to see that continued missionary journey inside of Samaria as Philip now has the opportunity to share the gospel with an Ethiopian eunuch. Beginning in chapter 8 and verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all of the towns until he came to Caesarea. God, we ask this morning that you help us, Lord, to not only take a, a model of life, God, from 
from Philip here, but God, also to be encouraged in our spiritual walk with you, Lord, as we see, God, you working and acting in the life of the Ethiopian eunuch, but God, also in the life of Philip, Lord, your follower, God, your, your disciple, God. God, let us put ourselves inside of this passage of Scripture today and, and draw from it, God, some application into our own lives. Lord, we love you. We're so grateful, God, to be able to be in this place with you, God, and to be able to worship you, Lord, wherever it is that we might be. We're grateful, Lord, for the opportunity to sing praises to you and, and now to open your word, God, and let your Holy Spirit convict us. And so, God, do these things for us, we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want you to see this morning just a couple of observations from this passage of Scripture that I think are important for us as believers. First of all, I want you to see that from the example of Philip, we see a willing witness. A willing witness. Look at those first two verses. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. From the beginning of this passage, we see the involvement of the Spirit of God and the obedience of Philip, this disciple of Christ. Now, we need to be reminded of where we were introduced to Philip because it's very important for us to understand the, the position that Philip finds himself in. If you'll remember, in Acts chapter 6, as those seven were chosen to serve the, the Hellenistic widows... Philip was one of those men that was chosen to accomplish that task. Philip and Stephen that we talked about weeks ago, they were two of the men that were chosen to do the work of what we would call a deacon. And you would be reminded that those men were chosen to accomplish that task not because they were available, but because of their spiritual maturity. And here again, we have another example of one of those men chosen who not only we know has spiritual maturity because of Acts chapter 6, but we know has spiritual maturity because of his ability to hear the voice of God and to respond to it in obedience. In Acts chapter 6, we are told of Philip that he was a man of good repute, full of the Spirit and wisdom. And here in Acts chapter 8 and verse 26 and 27, we have evidence that Philip was a man full of the Spirit and full of wisdom. He was able to hear the voice of God through the Spirit. He was able to respond to the voice of God because he was full of the voice of God. Now, this is interesting here that we have this occasion because what we have in verse 26 is, is we are being told that, that he literally saw and he literally heard a messenger from God, right? Look at verse 26. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south. An angel of the Lord appears to Philip in verse 26 and 27. And we recognize that this is not the manner in which God speaks to, to us today. This is not the way that God speaks to us. I dare say any of you would testify that an angel has appeared to you and has given you information. But rather, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit speaks to us. And we must take that discernment of the Spirit and step into the obedience that God speaks to us by His Spirit. We struggle with this idea. 
Am I hearing the Holy Spirit's voice? Is the Spirit speaking to me? We struggle with the idea of being obedient to the leading of God and obedient to the leading of the Spirit. For many of us, the Spirit's voice is much more dull and unclear than this occasion we see with Philip and an angel. But I want to be sure that we understand if we think that the voice of God's Spirit is dull and unclear, it is not the fault of the Spirit, and it is not the fault of God, but it is the condition of our own spirit that prohibits us from being able to see and get direction from God through the movement of His Holy Spirit. We need to grow more accustomed to the voice of the Spirit so that we can be willing to act when He does call on us. Growing sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It calls for a more intimate relationship with God. Philip was a man who had a deep spiritual maturity with God. And for us, this is necessary for us to be able to discern when God does speak to us. It's an intimacy issue. We say, well, I never hear the Spirit of God. I never know when God is speaking to me. Well, it is not the fault of the Spirit. It is not the fault of God. It is a lack of spiritual intimacy in our own lives. This is why we are unable to hear when God directs us. A quick equation, very practical information here of how we can grow in our sensitivity of the Spirit. We would, if we would read the Word and we would add consistent prayer life, we would find that we would have a clear recognition of the move of the Spirit in our lives. As a matter of fact, the Word and through communication with God, it is the way the Spirit speaks to us. He speaks to us through the given of His Holy Scriptures, and He speaks to us in the intimacy of our community with Him. What's interesting, too, to me at the end of this, uh, at the end of this account that I just read, verse uh, 39 and 40, we find this picture of, of not an angel speaking to Philip and giving him directions to go to the desert place, but we find the Spirit picking him up and taking him to his next assignment. The Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, we're told in Scripture, and the eunuch saw him no more. It's a miraculous way that Philip is picked up. It's a miraculous way that, that, that Philip is moved from one location to the other location. And oftentimes in my life, maybe not in yours, but in, in my life, this is the way I want the Spirit to behave. I would much rather the Spirit just pick me up and place me on my assignment than to have to do the work of discerning if the Spirit is speaking to me or not. But this miracle move of Philip being placed in a different location, this miracle move only happened after the previous evidence of Philip's willingness to obey the voice of God. You see, he experiences this miraculous movement from one location to the other, but this only happens in his life after he proves to God that he is not only going to listen to his voice, but he is going to obediently walk as God directs him. God is looking for men like Philip 
God is looking for men and women who will do the work to hear Him speak and who will obediently follow wherever He leads them and to whatever He leads them to do for the sake of His kingdom. Philip was a willing witness. Secondly, I want you to note that Philip was a word witness. Philip was a word witness. He rose and he went, verse 27 says. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning seated in his chariot and he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. We don't really know the spiritual condition of the Ethiopian uh, eunuch here. We, we only know a couple of things about him that would help us to get some clues into his spiritual condition upon Philip's finding him. Number one, we know that he was uh, from Ethiopia. And we know that he had come there to worship. So those two things we do know, that he was, he was in Jerusalem to worship, and, and secondly, that he was, he was from Ethiopia. Now, if you were an Ethiopian in, in this day and time, typically the, the religious mindset of the Ethiopians were that whoever happened to be their king in that moment was a god. So they worshipped their king in the sense that not only he was a governmental official or a governmental ruler, but they worshipped him because they believed that all of the kings were descendants of God, and so they were gods. So the gods would, in, would, in, would allow the, those lesser than them to take care of the petty business because they had no time for such things. So people like the queen, who was responsible for the treasure, would walk around with people who like the Ethiopian eunuch who was responsible to the queen because the king could not be bothered by petty things like doing business for the kingdom. So Ethiopians would have believed that, that their king was in fact their god. But we also have this little, these little few words here that they were, they were there to worship, right? This is what we're told in the latter part of verse 27. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning. So we have this idea, he's Ethiopian, so he would have most naturally worshipped his king, but yet he had been to Jerusalem to worship, which would have indicated to us that he must have been a Jew or had Jewish ideas or submitted to the laws of Judaism, at least to a certain degree anyway. And most likely what we have here in the Ethiopian eunuch is we have a man who, like most men, who is confused about his religious beliefs. We might use a word like syncretism to describe the Ethiopian eunuch. Someone who had a mixture of his historical religion of his people, but also this religion of Judaism that he had heard. And so maybe he was combining these two things, and as he's combining these two things, he's trying to discern what Isaiah 53 means as he's reading it. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And right on time, as he's reading these verses, right on time, Philip shows up. And so he asks Philip, who is this verse talking about? Is he talking about the one that is writing it? Is Isaiah the subject of these two verses? Who, who is the, are these verses describing? 
And of course, Philip takes this Ethiopian eunuch who is confused about his faith, mixing a historical religion of his people and Judaism together to come up with his own mixture of what he ought to believe in order to be saved. And Philip leads him from the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53 to Jesus. Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him, the good news about Jesus. He told him the good news about Jesus. Now, if you don't see a picture of God's provision inside of this chapter, I I think you're looking at it wrong. Certainly, he was a witness of the Word, but Philip was placed right where he needed to be, right when he needed to be there, in order to be that witness of the word to the eunuch. I want you to think about this. God had prepared all of the steps necessary for this man's gospel experience. God had given instructions to Philip as to which road to go. God had assured that the eunuch would be right where he needed him to be so Philip and he could have this meeting. God had placed in the heart of this eunuch some desire or some curiosity to Judaism and all of the Old Testament readings. God had placed in this eunuch's hand a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. God had placed in the heart of Philip the ability to not only hear Isaiah read, but also to be able to discern it and to teach it to this Ethiopian on this road on that particular day. God had prepared all of the necessary steps. Philip was prepared to offer the gospel to this man. And when all of these things came together by the hands of a providential God, this Ethiopian eunuch was able to hear the gospel. From this account, we see God's providential timing, placing a man who knew the word of God to speak the word of God. You know, it's so beautiful about this passage is that the the eunuch was searching. The eunuch was looking for the answer to the Old Testament prophecy. The eunuch was searching for for what 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 the person was or what that man had done who had sacrificed himself in Isaiah chapter 53. And we recognize that that people that we share the gospel with, they may not be beginning in Isaiah 53. The people we share the gospel with may be humanistic, totally. They may not have a biblical perspective at all. But what we learn here from Philip and his example is that we may not begin in the same place, and it doesn't really matter where we start with people. We must always end where Philip ended, telling them about the good news of Jesus. No matter where Philip started, I believe Philip would have ended with the good news about Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a word witness, to witness concerning the truths of the gospel of Jesus, which is found for us only inside the holy book, our word of God that we cherish so much. Telling the good news about Jesus demands that we have an understanding of the Scripture, for this is where the good news is found. We have a willing witness. We have a word witness. And this last thing I want you to see is this this translates to an obedient disciple. 
Philip opened his mouth, beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? The Ethiopian hears the gospel presented as a, as a result of the teaching and a result of faith in Christ. He, he now is a follower of Jesus Christ. I, I don't know the entirety of the scriptures that, uh, that maybe Philip referred to. I don't know all of the stories of Jesus that Philip covered with the Ethiopian eunuch, but, but either at some point in his gospel presentation or just out of a result of the conviction of the Spirit for this Ethiopian young believer. The Ethiopian knows he has a need for baptism. Now I want to remind you, if you'll go back up to verse 26. Verse 26, we are told here that the place that Philip was called to was a place in the middle of the desert. And yet they happen upon some water. And this man who has just converted to Christianity is saying, I want to be baptized. I want you to take me into the water and I want you to baptize me as you have taught me maybe or as you have told me about this example of Jesus himself was baptized. And so Philip does just that. In the middle of the desert, this water that they find, Philip baptizes this new believer in Jesus. You guys know this, that baptism is it's an act of obedience to the Lord's teachings and His example of, of Himself being baptized. This new follower of Jesus desired to do the same, to walk in obedience to the Lord's desire. We recognize that the baptism there in the middle of that desert, it did not save that Ethiopian eunuch. That's not our testimony. There was nothing special or unique about the water in that desert. It was simply a step of obedience. It was a, it was a step declaring that he did in fact want to be buried with Christ and raised to life just as Christ Jesus was. We see it as so necessary that this Ethiopian eunuch, the first thing he wants to do as a new follower of Jesus is to step into the water. The first thing he wants to do is to be found as an obedient follower of Jesus. As we look to this passage, a willing witness, a word witness that translates into an obedient disciple. These are the three things that we see from this passage of Scripture. And I think all three of these can be applicable into our own lives. First of all, some of us need to become a more willing witness. The Spirit is probably not going to pick us up and take us to the location where we need to go. But often, how often does the Holy Spirit speak to us, desire for us to be a willing witness for Him but we have moved so far of God, away from God that his, his Spirit is dull to our ears and we can't discern what He is saying. God is saying to us, to the, Philip, to the example of Philip, I need willing witnesses. I need people who will return to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 and commit themselves to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. He needs willing witnesses. The second thing I think that 
we could take from this passage of Scripture to apply in our own lives is that some of us need to be obedient and to follow in baptism. It may be that some of us have just made a profession of faith. We're going to get to enjoy some baptisms when we finally get back together. We're going to get to enjoy some baptisms together because people have initially made their profession of faith. They're like the Ethiopian eunuch. They've decided to follow Jesus and now they're going to be baptized. Or it may be that we made a decision to follow Jesus years ago, but now the Holy Spirit is convicting us of baptism and we need to step in obedience to be baptized. Are you willing to be a witness? Do you want to follow in obedience of our Lord? You can make these decisions in a number of ways, as we've said each and every week. We've created a way on our website that you can respond to this message. You can click the link that's in the comments, and it'll take you to a form that you can fill out to let us know that you want to declare that you want to be a willing witness, or you want to declare that you want to be baptized. These two things, you can make that decision, as awkward as it is, you can make that decision even this morning. And we can follow up with you and help you make that decision today. Steve and the rest of the worship team are going to come back up and, and we're going to worship some more as we end our time together this morning. God, as we continue to worship today, Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, to respond even as we sing praises, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit continue to speak to us. Let your Holy Spirit continue to draw us to yourself. Lord, use this time this morning, God, to, to allow your Holy Spirit to whisper into our ears. And Lord, just as loudly as that angel declared to Philip, Lord, let your Spirit declare it to us, the decision that we need to make. Maybe we need to be a more willing witness. God, draw us to those people that we need to share the gospel. Maybe, God, we need to follow through, Lord, with, with believers' baptism. God, convict us of that this morning as well. But we love you. Be with us as we continue to worship. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.